Welcome, welcome to the A New You TV show. I am your host, Ivy Caldwell, and today on the show we have Vanessa Price, who will be talking about her book entitled Breaking the Code of Silence Now. And Vanessa, she has three beautiful children, Kimberly, Robin, Andre the second, and three adorable grandchildren, Corinthia, Samuel, and Josiah. She was born and raised in North Texas. Vanessa was an uncommon child. Vanessa participated in the Holiness Church, which seemed like more than seven days a week, if they even existed. Vanessa became older and she began to sing in the choir, directed and even played for the choir one time. But she vowed that sitting at that organ with the church full of people staring at her would never happen again anytime soon. To this day, it is still has not happened. Vanessa eventually married and traveled, becoming a military wife, later divorced. She thought she had met the love of her life, but he turned out to be a person with an addiction. She lost everything she had behind him and almost her sanity. Vanessa became gravely ill, was in the hospital for seven months and later transferred to a nursing facility where she spent five more months. During her stay in the hospital, she suffered memory loss. Vanessa contracted C. diff, MRSA, E. coli, and a stroke in her left eye. Suffered tremendous muscle loss, learned to walk again, had two back surgeries within a week, and was told that she may develop, become a quadriplegic. She also wore a wound vac for a year or more, ended up with neuropathy and almost lost hope, but that did not stop her. She obtained her master's degree from Dallas Baptist University and MBA from Latourne University. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly or not. It's okay, Latourne University. <laughs> and is now studying for her PhD. She is a licensed and ordained minister, a professional Christian life coach, and a paparazzi consultant. To this day, Vanessa has also co-authored six books. She enjoys traveling, swimming, and meeting new people. And there is more in store for her. Her motto is, no matter what anyone says about your situation, you're worth the price. From defeat to triumph, Vanessa is a living proof that God is still in the miracle working business. <laughs> Vanessa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. <laughs> you are welcome. You are welcome. So the name of your book, Breaking the Code of Silence Now. Yes. How did you become a part of this project? Well, I was actually kind of just scrolling across Facebook and, you know, I had, you know, like, you know, friend requests and I saw this young lady that was there and she was always online and she was always talking about um, different topics and she was so consistent about things. And 
I'm like, you know, she's so motivational and she's so consistent and inspirational. Everything she says is so, so good. And at that time, I was like, just kind of like, let it all like, mm, whatever, you know, just didn't really just needed a little push, but wasn't really just just kind of scrolling. But I noticed that she was there every day. She was always talking. Shout out to Dr. Shamika, Lete Oliver. Um, and I noticed I kept watching her. A year went by and another year went by and she was always there. So I friended her and I found out that she had a women's group. Mm-hmm. Um, women who lead connect. So she ended up being my coach and she coached me and she kind of got me all motivated and everything. And she asked me about, you know, being in her book as a co-author and we started talking. I told her some of the things I had gone through and she's like, you need to write that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you think so? Really? And I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> and I was really scared. I'm like, mm. I don't know if I want to put that out there. I don't know about that. She's like, you need to get it out. You need to get it out because look where you are now. You're down, you're holding it in and you're just, you're not getting it out. I'm like, okay. She said, I'm getting a collaboration together of women who've been through things. Things is called breaking the code of silence now. She said, I've already done one book and I'm going to do another one. I think you'll make a good candidate for that. I'm like, okay. So that's how I got in it. I started writing and that's it. And that was, that was the beginning of it. Amen. Amen. That is awesome. So as you began to journey in this project, how was the writing process for you? Was it difficult to get it out? It was in the beginning because I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, when you, go through some of the things that I have gone through and we'll get into that a little bit later, especially the abuse part. You don't know if people are going to come after you. You just don't know. And I'm like, do I really want to tell this? What's going to happen? Am I going to have to look over my shoulder for the rest of my life? Because it's going to be out there. Am I going to have to hide? You know, am I really, I mean, I know, I. you know, she says I'm going to help people, yes. but am I going to hurt myself for doing it? Yes. You know, so, but I, I took that chance. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So you were, were like fearful of retaliation from others. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm. It's not easy. It's not easy digging it all out. And putting Mm-mm. it out there in the open. Right. And then people will be like, she was going through that. Right. It's like, right. wow. That's not the hardest part. It's okay about that part. The hardest part is the, the person that did it to you, mm-hmm. what they're going to say. She yeah. told it on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how yeah. do you get around that do you put the person's name in the book no you don't put the person's name in the book that's against the law that's not good at all that's not even ethical yeah you don't put their name you have to do you know have to get around that but um of course they're gonna know who they are but you can't do that so they can't really say that you pointed directly at them so there is a way around that okay so to speak you yeah. know, but we all know who that person is, the, you know, at least 
the intermediate family, you yeah, know, and the people yeah. that were right there with it. Yes. So those yeah. who were in your circle, right? The individual knows who they were, right? That's in your story. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So you were at a job, a new job. Mm-hmm. And what was going on with this new job and the knot that you discovered in your back? Well, I was on my new job and I started to feel um, a little knot on my back. I, first, I was um, I was at home one day and I was in the kitchen cooking and I kept I noticed a knot. And I was like, oh, this knot is like a little bean on my back. It's just beady. And I'm like, I'm going to ignore that because I've already had all these back surgeries mm-hmm. and I'm not going through that anymore. I'm just, I refuse to think about it. And I'm like, another day comes up and I'm like, oh God, mm-hmm. this, I've got to, I've got to address this. And I just kept on, you know, kept going. And then one day at work, I got up to walk. And my leg was like, I'm not cooperating with you today. (laughs) And I was, you know, going to the restroom and I'm like, oh, it's like a walking dead man, but a walking dead woman just kind of walking along, pulling my leg and my supervisor. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, "Mm -hmm, I'm fine. (laughs) But I really wasn't fine. But in my mind, I'm like, I am fine. I'm going to be okay. And then I, I went home and I'm like, Uh, this is not good. This is not good. You know, it's not good. So I went to the hospital. Of course, they did the urine sample and all of that. And that's when I, you know, went to the hospital and I went back home and, you know, whatever. Then I had to go back to the hospital by way of ambulance because I could not move. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, one day I was like, oh, my back, I cannot move. I'm just like somebody was stabbing me in the back. Mm -hmm. I mean, like somebody literally just took an axe and just stabbed me. Jesus. So I was rushed off to the hospital. And that's when they, you know, I was on this new job and my insurance hadn't quite kicked in. And I'm like, no, not now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not yet. It's, yeah, I haven't been you were trying to hold yet. off. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, been, I haven't been there long enough. So I get in the, I get in the ambulance. I'm like, they're like, what hospital do you want to go to? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I have no choice but to go to the mm. county hospital. Mm. So I go to the county hospital. And, you know, normally when you go to another hospital, they're going to, you know, put you, you know, take you in and get you a room or whatever. And they'll you know, take you to the room, put you in the bed. So I get to the county hospital and they roll me in and, roll, you know, straight through the admissions or whatever. And I'm roll right by the waiting room. And I'm like, like, okay, go over there and have a seat. I'm like, mm. Are you serious? Mm. You want me to get off the stretcher and walk over there and have a seat as much pain as I'm in? Wow. And I wasn't used to that. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't used to that at all. So that was one thing that was like backwards for me. Mm. You know, and I'm like, I'm in pain. I'm going through. First of all, I don't have the insurance I need. Now I have to go to the county hospital and I'm not bashing the county hospital because that is a place where people go because it is a trauma hospital and it's a very good hospital. But when you're not used to things like that and most people that come in are treated as if they're nobody. 
mm-hmm. unless you come in, you know, a different way. It's like, oh, that's just whatever. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's the way I was treated. And that was very unfair. So when I get there, I'm on all types of floors forever. I diagnose with MRSA, E. coli after I'm there. I actually contracted from there, from being there so long. So what is the MRSA? That is like a sore. I start to get sores on my body. Mm. So it starts like a sore and then it spreads. Wow. And that is a contagious disease. So I end up on the infection control unit mm. where I cannot, when they come in, of course, they have to be gowned down. Yeah. You know, my family comes in. It's like, I'm just a big contagious body all mm-hmm. of a sudden. I'm just an alien. That's what I'm feeling like. It's very depressing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Then I contract C. difficile. That's another contagious disease. Then I have E. coli because it's something that they say I've eaten from somewhere. Mm. Like, where did I eat this from? I've only been here now. Right, Is right. it the food that you've given me? Then all of a sudden, one day, I'm sitting there and I'm looking across the room at the TV. And I only see half of the man's head on the TV. And I close one eye. One eye is good. And the other eye, that's half of the man's TV head. I'm Mm. like, okay, what's happened? Mm. And I get really, really frightened. I am so scared. That's when they come in and they examine me. And I've had a peripheral, which is an eye stroke. Mm. Mm. Jesus. Mm. So now I've had a stroke in the eye. Is this forever? Mm. What do I do now? Are you telling me I'm going blind? Mm. That's so scary to me. Yes, yes. You know, and then I can I keep food down? So I'm hooked up to this tube where I'm fed from a tube. I'm looking up and I'm I'm like, okay, now I'm I'm fed from a tube. I can't eat. Mm-hmm. And you're giving me medis- medications through IV. What's happening to me? Mm-hmm. What is literally happening to me? You know, um, I try to pick up a cup to drink something. Yeah. And I can't hold it. It's just like all of a sudden I'm holding it. But and then all of a sudden my reflex is like. Just all of a sudden and I spill it all over me. Wow. I can't do anything. Mm. I'm like, what is happening to me? Right, right, right. So, so it's like your body is shutting down. On it's you. like it's shutting down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the name of your chapter is Dying to Live. I am dying to live. And it's like I'm literally dying. But you wanted to live. You didn't I want to die. No, I did Jesus. not want to die. I did not want to die. And I'm like, is this all coming from a knot on my back? Yeah. Wow. So did they find out how you got this infectious disease or? They said I have, uh, well, I did have Harrington rods inserted in my back because I had scoliosis as a child okay. and I had Harrington rods put in my back um, years ago and they said they became infected. Mm. 
So because of the infection, they said that this is where all of this is coming from. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I got MRSA, C. difficile, E. coli, and all of that from infected rods, which they said this is contracted from a hospital, according to research. Right, right, right. But this is the story that they have given me. That didn't add up to you. It did not add up. No. No, 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 no. No. So what they ended ended up having to do is go in and remove the rods. Mm. And they also told me that the rods had fused, of course, to my spine. Jesus. So they were going to have to go in and they may break while they were taking the rods out, Mm. which was very dangerous. And they said if they break and they accidentally, you know, touch the um, spinal cord, I could come out as a quadriplegic. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Jesus. Mm, mm. I'm thinking, really? This is all because of a knot on my back? Wow. And because I had to come to the county hospital? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. So you were in the county hospital for those seven months or five for months? Seven months. Wow. Seven months in the county hospital. And then they sent me to the nursing. They made it sound nice. We're going to send you to the nursing facility rehab mm. so you can have rehab. I The rehab I had was riding on the bicycle for 30 minutes and pulling some stretch bands. Mm. And I did that for five months. Wow. And it was surrounded by a lot of people, older people that I would pass by up and down the hall was they would wheel me in the wheelchair that I would look around and see on the floor mm-hmm. laying there unattended because yeah. they were worse off than I was, some of them, and they couldn't help themselves. I could at least at that time move around a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But if I could not help myself at that time and I was in the shape I was in when I was in the hospital, I could have been on the floor too. Jesus. Mm, mm, mm. You know, wow, wow. It was a sad situation. Yes, yes. Now, in your book, you described like an encounter you had. I don't were you asleep when you saw this this long hallway? Explain that encounter to us. Yes. Yeah. I it's really kind of hard to describe because I was on so much medication and I was sedated so much. I just know that. I was in this place where I was, I was going down this long hall. There was a lot of greenery around it and I'll look around and I could see people, but the people could not talk to me. They could not see me. Mm. They could not hear me or talk to me. And I tried talking to people asking, where am I? Can I go back? Where am I? get me out of this, whatever. It was peaceful though. It was nothing wrong with it. I just didn't know how to get back. I couldn't shake it. It sounds like a God encounter almost. Yeah, yeah. Because it was a peaceful place. It was peaceful. I wasn't afraid. I just was not here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there because I, I was by myself and I'm like, well, where is this place? Yes, yes. You know? Wow. And the thing that about that was, it's like, I didn't stay because 
either God didn't want me to stay or my family was praying so hard and they pulled me back and the prayer warriors were praying so hard. Yes. And I think that's what pulled me back out of it because I literally was gone. Mm. Mm -hmm. I believe I was really gone. Wow. So did they yeah. have to bring you back to life? At any they point? did. They did yeah. have to bring me back. Yeah. I remember um, waking up one day and opening my eyes and the rapid response team was just standing over me saying, Miss Price, Miss Price, Miss Price. And I was and I, now, I remember just waking up looking at them and I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what happened. Wow, but God said there's still work for you to do on this side. Yeah. My God, yeah. my God, Jesus. Yeah. And I just remember them saying they had to call the code. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and they had to call the code, but you're in a book called Breaking the Code of Silence. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about that code of silence. Like when we're going through things and we don't share it, uh-huh. not even with those that are the closest to us, Mm-hmm. We just keep it to ourselves. So talk about breaking that code of silence. Oh, just keeping it to myself and not even saying anything. Um, it was hard as far as keeping it to myself. I had to break it. I had to tell somebody because it was lonely. Mm. You know, especially when I was in an abusive relationship, um, I didn't tell a lot of people because I knew it would hurt people. Mm. I knew it would hurt. And I didn't want to tell my family, especially because I knew they would get very upset. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes telling your family, if I tell my family... (laughs) (laughs) I may not have a family. Having my family may be in jail. Oh, Lord. And you didn't want that. <laughs> and I didn't want that. <laughs> so I had to keep it to myself for a while. And then when I did tell my family, literally, they wouldn't go to jail. But you know how family gets upset. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. But yes. I had to tell my family finally after the fact, and I had to let them know the reason I could not tell them because I didn't want to hurt them. I didn't want them to, at that time, to come in and and make it worse because it could have gotten worse on me with them not realizing it. Yeah, yeah. Because at the time, there were times in my marriage in the abusive relationship that I went without food. There were times that I went running down the street trying to escape. Jesus. Um, there were times that I had to just hide, period, period. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of things. Uh, there was a time that I didn't come around. Um, I remember one Christmas, my sister called me and she asked, she said, what are you doing for Christmas? Oh, I'm having a great time. We're, we're doing things, this, that, and the other. And we're just going to have a great time. She said, okay. But I know she could sense it. Mm. But I wasn't going to tell her. Yeah. But what was I doing? Nothing. Mm. I was at home wondering where my car was. Jesus. Wondering where I was going to get money to pay my 
house notes. Mm. Mm. You know, things like that. How I was going to pay my next bill. We didn't even have Christmas. Mm. Not that you have to celebrate Christmas, you know, and with food or with yeah, gifts yeah, or yeah. things like that. Right. But, you know, most people with families are doing things. My yeah. excuse was, oh, we're doing things together today. We're just going to, you know, do our own little thing. Yes. But yes, I wasn't yes. doing anything. Yeah, so you were so, so concerned about family members being upset that you, it's like you almost put yourself on the back burner mm-hmm. because you did not want to tell them what you were going through. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you do not look like what you have <laughs> been through. Yeah, beautiful, but I have. Beautiful. Thank you. All right, Vanessa, we're going to have to stop right there. Okay. And our audience is going to have to tune in next week for part two of your okay. powerful testimony. All right. And I want my audience to know that no matter what you go through, what experiences you have been through, you can become a new you. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's look at how this abuse begins. Hello, my name is Coach Ivy, and I'm going to share with you five steps to start your emotional healing journey. Step one, you must face it or acknowledge it. You refuse to continue to hide it, act as if it didn't happen because it's there. Those thoughts are there and you live with them every day. But in order to heal from your past experiences, the emotional trauma, the abuse, you must face it head on and confront it and deal with it. Otherwise, it's going to stay right there in your face, in your mind, in your life until you acknowledge it. You will remain stuck in that time in your life when you don't have to. Why don't you be brave today? Be bold today. Take courage today. Have enough faith and trust in yourself that you can get through this process. Reach out to a therapist a counselor, psychologist, or life coach such as myself. I am a transformation life coach. We'll be glad to uh, walk you through this process. I know it's not easy, but will you dare to feel all of that pain to heal? I have been there. I suffered uh, abuse as a child, the most unthinkable abuse, but that is what goes on today every day in children's lives and then we have adults who have yet to acknowledge to face all of that past trauma childhood trauma that we carry on in our lives don't you know the things that we have been through that is how we interact with other people that come into our lives and that's not fair to them because they haven't done anything to us but we guard ourselves We're afraid to open up. We're afraid to trust. We're afraid to release it. But I'm here to tell you as a living testimony, as a living witness, 
once you expose your truth, there's a freedom that comes with it. There's a freedom associated with it. I can tell my story to whoever, whenever. It doesn't bother me. I don't feel anything from it. All of that shame, guilt, and condemnation is gone. Why? Because Jesus carried it on the cross. It was too heavy for me to bear. God had no intentions for me to bear it. So I am here to let you know on today. Expose your truth so that you can be healed. Face it. Acknowledge it. No more running away from it. You're going to meet it head on. You're going to deal with it. You're going to get it all out of your system so you can get that release and start your emotional healing journey. Bye-bye. Why I wrote my book originally, I had written stories for children. I need support to get these books out to the babies, to the children. They need help. They don't have a voice. I desire to be that voice for the children. I thank you for uh, tuning in to the show once again. I thank you for the support. Have a wonderful day and God bless you. Bye-bye.